Hi, I'm Kenzie Fell, producer and co-host of McGowan Braybender's podcast channel, Side Effects. Today, we welcome Christy Dinsmore, a leadership and organizational development consultant that helps individuals, teams, and organizations drive profitable growth. And she's one of the most popular speakers for the McGowan Braybender Learning Centers. Christy has extensive experience developing future leaders in a number of industries, including technology, manufacturing, wholesaling, and healthcare. As organizations face an urgent need to develop leaders due to both upcoming retirements and a growing economy, she is an obvious choice to have as our guest to discuss our topic today, fast-tracking millennials for leadership. Too many companies have a leadership gap, and Christy is here to help. Without further delay, Christy Dinsmore. I'm Scott McGowan. I'm Kenzie Fell. And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. Now, I think even for our listeners, too, I think what's important is um, we might be right, we might be wrong, but one thing is we're not afraid. Our goal is to get you to think about things a little differently. And we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. Christy, welcome. Good morning. Hey, you know what? You have been a guest on Learning Centers for a long time, and now you're a guest on the podcast, and you're just, um, you're like an icon. Oh, dear. Yeah. I'm a going Braybender master guru, learning center professional. Well, I've told you before that McGowan Braybender is the only place where I come and get to meet with your clients and share what I'm learning with my clients. So it's been fun for a lot of years. Well, you can certainly pack a room um, yep. because you have a lot of knowledge and expertise, and people need it, and they want it. Good. Well, let's dive in. Yeah. Yes. So as a millennial, I was very excited for this topic. And kind of tell us, why is, this, why is this a conversation we're having right now? Why is this so timely? It's very timely for a number of reasons. Right now, we're really finding that leaders are not prepared in organizations. And that's been for the last couple of years. If you remember back in early 2017, I presented Grooming Millennials for Leadership mm-hmm. to McGowan Braybender and your clients. And the problem has only gotten worse. We have a situation now where the economy is booming. Mm -hmm. Unemployment's the lowest it's been in about 50 years. And the leaders are not prepared to take over for the leaders that are about to retire. Mm -hmm. So they're not equipped. They're not equipped. If you think back in 2008 with the Great Recession, there was a lot of layoffs. And people were not retiring as they usually did. So we have an entire generation that has been held back. Companies stopped doing training. And positions were not opening up. Then suddenly the economy turns around and we don't have the time to develop people and train them. So now it's worse than ever. People are poaching leaders from other organizations Mm -hmm. and not investing in developing their own leaders for their own customers and their own growth. And I I think people think millennials, they think, like you said, everyone's younger than what you are. But really the age range, they're almost 40, right? Exactly. So unfortunately, the oldest millennials really lost out on 10 years of development. They didn't have those opportunities to move up. Mm -hmm. But what I'm finding now in my clients is people are starting to retire. Mm -hmm. And when they can retire, they will retire. (laughs) The problem is, is that then you have unprepared leaders coming up. Mm -hmm. And we usually promote the person who's the best at what they do. They tend to not like to stop doing what they were the best at. And so you have leaders that take on too much, that don't delegate. Then we just keep perpetuating that not developing the next generation of leaders. Right. You know what's interesting, too, is so a lot of times we used to, in our industry, we would look at organizations that had great training programs. Yes. 
and we would want them to go through that PVC pipe, mm-hmm. and then we would poach them. <laughs> and but what's really interesting is those training programs in a lot of I mean big organizations. Mm-hmm. It's hard for smaller companies to do that, but for bigger ones, a lot of them have like evaporated. A lot of them now believe well. What's the point in our developing leaders? Because someone's going to poach them. Um, even just in the Dayton region itself, we used to have NCR, Standard Register, Mead, that had very robust training programs. Mm-hmm. So those companies always had a pipeline of people coming through that they were developing. I remember two-year training programs for salespeople. Now you have individuals <laughs> coming into an organization wanting to move up, wanting to take on more responsibility, and they don't know how. The, the hardest transition I found is going from a high-level individual contributor to being a supervisor. We're asking you to give up what you did well, and we've not trained you to actually supervise other people. That's where you start having turnover at the lower levels because I don't want to work for a jerk. Mm-hmm. That's a whole new skill set. I think McGowan Brabender has an incredible training program, and we have a person dedicated to education and development mm-hmm. here. And so... When I started, I had a binder. They had weekly meetings with me, and it, it felt good that they cared. They wanted me to know what I was doing. So I felt very lucky that I had the whole process here. So, Well, and leadership is not natural. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a couple of components to it. One, you have to be able to not only manage yourself but manage the activities of others in order to help your organization grow. In a lot of d- instances, we've split off leadership from the profitable growth of an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, y- you know, you said something. So an individual contributor, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really, it's a good term. Mm-hmm. And it's easier than leading people. And Kenzie, thanks for saying that we have a good training. Oh. Because we can always <laughs> get we can always get better. We oh, can. yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting, too, even when I started. So in sales, I got a phone book and a phone. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> good luck. And as we began to evolve and grow, um, you know, as an employer, one of the things that we really believe in is the fact that we owe a workforce a lot when they yes. start. We owe them a lot. We owe their family a lot. They trusted us. And there will be a time when that, when, that, when that shifts. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Well, you also have to think of them as a very huge investment. Uh, I think organizations forget and employees forget how much is invested in them by the organization. And we have done a terrible job of teaching employees how much organizations do for them. It's a very symbiotic relationship. Mm -hmm. The employees make it possible for the organization to deliver to the customer what the company does. But at the same time, the company gives a great deal to employees. I'll give one example. I am always staggered at how few employees know that they're only paying a portion of their health care premium. They'll say, oh, my gosh, my health care premium went up. My my goodness, I'm paying three or four hundred dollars a month. And I'll look at them and I'll say, do you understand for a family plan that's costing your employer 20 to 20 thousand dollars a year? And they look at me as if I'm insane. Mm hmm. But that's the problem is organizations have not educated their people to understand, number one, we're here for a customer. Number two is every organization, if it's a for-profit or a not-for-profit, is someone's money. If you give to a charitable organization, that's a person's money. They're investing in you to solve a problem. Yep. And all of us now with our 401ks, our IRAs, even pensions, we're in the stock market. 
And so those companies are expected to give a return to those people for investing their money in their company. We're not explaining that to employees today. I think a lot of people too, they get excited to hear about like the fun perks, like mm-hmm. PTO or we have fruit in the cafeteria or like we have a gym on site or little things like that, but they really don't think of the whole picture and like how much the company really is giving back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what's interesting too, and you brought this up is, you know, unfortunately society, like capitalism has gotten a bad rap. Oh, do not get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. W- w- well, it is, but you know, in, in you know, in regards to that, is obviously um, there there has to be there has to be a profit in order mm-hmm. for because we have things like rent goes up, gas exactly. goes up, electricity goes up, health and, premiums go up. Yeah, and mm-hmm. even as uh, you know, e- even as an adult, things in our lives go up. Mm-hmm. So you make really good decisions as a human being mm-hmm. or bad ones, mm-hmm. uh, and businesses have to make those same decisions it's an entity exactly well i am always afraid the secret service is going to come in and arrest me for cutting up u.s currency but i'll do that as an example for (laughs) some of my clients of here's a dollar bill they genuinely think that if the sales were let's say 10 million dollars a year that the owners are taking home 10 million dollars and i have to show them here's a big slice for the cost of goods sold Here's a giant slice for salaries, wages, overtime, another huge slice for health care. Every time that someone does not take care of their own health, the cost goes up for the employer. Mm-hmm. Then you have this little teeny tiny slice left that many companies give back to employees in profit sharing. But if you have a couple of people who decide to play games with forklifts in a warehouse oh. and they damage it, Boom, the profits are out the door. You know, and there's an easy way to talk about that, too. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that uh, we did here, and it was probably five or six years ago, was um, if McGowan Brabender was a was a lemonade stand. Mm-hmm. Yes. What would the cost of a, lemon, a cup of lemonade? Mm-hmm. Like, what would it cost? And then what would it cost the company if you dropped it? So mm-hmm. with companies and communication, the uh, kind of the misconception is the fact that people understand this and I think what you're telling us is like no they don't no they don't And so lean into it and have this conversation well last night I was speaking to a dean of a business school not here in the Dayton region (laughs) and we were talking about this very subject and he was oh no no um they know about profitability and they know about ROI and accountability and I said how do you know that Mm -hmm. because I have people who've come out of colleges very good colleges in finance and business And they do not know this. They don't understand about the profitability of the company. And then it's the employee's job to protect that. Mm -hmm. And it's the company's job to invest in their people to make their people the best they can be. So how do organizations feel about millennials today? Millennials, it is interesting. Kenzie kind of um, implied this earlier. We have a tendency to think of millennials as anybody younger than us. Mm -hmm. And really, it is a very large generation. It, It is, in fact, larger than the baby boomers. But... People look at millennials and they think they're not prepared, mm-hmm. which unfortunately is, is true now. We've just talked about that. Mm-hmm. They also think that they're entitled. Well, they kind of are because they've had things that we never imagined. They can customize all of their clothing. They have cell phones. Information is available to them anytime. Mm-hmm. But they're hardworking. They really want to contribute. And one of the things that makes me the most excited is they want to dive in and help solve the problems that we're facing, whether it's corporate, whether it's community, whether it's global. Climate change. Millennials, are we're going to save the world. I'm sorry, we're going to save the world. <laughs> we need that. We definitely need that. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, 
We have to be preparing them to take care of a customer. Mm -hmm. All these things such as climate change, companies could work together to take care of this because customers do want that. Mm -hmm. Customers are starting to say we don't we're, we're bringing, you know, bags back to our grocery stores and we'll bring, you know, canvas bags in because we don't want to have too much plastic. Yeah. It's all about what is it that we can give to our customers that also helps the environment, that also helps our organization. There is a lot of money to be made solving problems. Well, we I'm just thinking back to a conversation we had yesterday about how younger generations really aren't working anymore. Like the gap to figure mm -hmm. out going from high school to college, college to the adult working mm -hmm. world, there's a huge gap there now. Well, I talked about that in the presentation that I did about millennials. I was surprised to discover that, you know, back in the 70s, almost, you know, three quarters of, of young people Everyone actually worked. had a job. Yeah. They babysat, they worked in a fast food, McDonald's was their first job. Yep. Now it's down to less than a, a quarter. Less than 24% actually have jobs. We put such a focus on preparing your resume for college oh, yeah. that the problem is is that young people are missing two things. They don't understand how a business works mm -hmm. because they've not seen it, and they've not served people. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I started off as a lifeguard back when I was mm. 15, and I've worked. I've had a job ever since, and I I feel like I'm kind of rare because I have a lot of friends who who's who their first job is right out of college. They never had an internship. Mm -hmm. They never had, and I'm like helping them with their resume, and I'm like, we gotta get some stuff on here, <laughs> like. Yeah, and but you learn so much with those jobs. Oh, How to interact with adults and kids. Even and just the customer service and the etiquette you have in a even in mm -hmm. office or at the pool when I was a lifeguard, greeting people when they walked into the pool, like little things that you don't think are that important are huge in building your, your how you act in a job. Well, so. and think back to when you were a lifeguard. If somebody mm -hmm. was relieving you and they were late, you were not particularly happy oh. with that person. So oh you yeah. learned about being on time. You learned about taking care of your coworkers. But most importantly, you understood what it felt like to have to serve a customer. Mm -hmm. So you tended to be a lot nicer to service people going forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I know a lot of friends that worked in waitressing, customer service. Mm -hmm. And when we go out to dinner, they'll be like tipping them extra. They'll be like, I remember this. They're like, that poor girl has nine tables. And I want to make sure she, she knows I appreciate her hard work. And so, so much more respect once you're in the workforce to when you're switching the roles being the customer so we've lost that what i run into is a lot of younger people and now even older people because what's interesting we refer to it as being a millennial problem mm -hmm. it's sort of creeped upward into all of us mm -hmm. all of us are kind of like oh that job is beneath us mm -hmm. that's not a, you know i'm supposed to be doing a management level job mm -hmm. or i don't have to take care of the customer I don't want to stay after five and take care of this problem. Mm -hmm. I'm not really worried if I come in late a little bit because I've been here for so long. Mm -hmm. And so we've sort of lost that work ethic. Yeah, I think for a lot of organizations, if, if you focus your attention on the customer, mm -hmm. it, it, it just gets all the messiness out of an organization. Mm -hmm. um, because all we're, we're about serving people. Exactly. So one of the things that you said is there's a there's a lack of business experience and mm -hmm. quite frankly that could be the organization's fault. So we're not we're not communicating that. We're not talking about that. But who With has the time to? Correct. Can we be honest? Most of most companies are running so fast right now. The economy is great. Woohoo. But we don't take the time when we're having meetings, we're not having educational meetings, we're having status updates. And so 
we're not explaining things that we know. And then we're shocked when a younger employee or even a new employee that's older Mm -hmm. does not understand how we do things here. Well, we want to have a purpose, too. We want to know what we're working towards. We want a goal. We want to make sure we're we like people telling us, hey, you're doing this right. Keep up Mm -hmm. the good work. And feedback is so important. And yeah, I want to know I have a purpose at work. I think that's a huge part of we need to make sure they know they're worthy and doing their job correct. Well, I think what's interesting, especially for you, Mm -hmm. um, is the fact that organizations, you can lean into your purpose. Mm -hmm. And that can benefit the organization. It can benefit Mm -hmm. the brand. And one of the things that we're learning here is sometimes we need to slow down to go fast. Absolutely. So we think speed is this is this unbelievable gift. And, you know, we've learned maybe the hard way that, like, speed can, it, it can be, um, pace can be the drug of choice. Well, we're so distracted now. I remember my first manager, all they did was manage. There was no email at that time. Ooh. I think the number one thing that organizations could do is to start hiring administrative assistants again. They were the ones that took the, the the tasks off of managers' laps and gave them the time to be able to spend with their people, training, showing, coaching. But now you have senior leader CEOs that are checking their own email. And we have hmm. to stay up on social media. And then, oh, my gosh, I need to know what's going on over here, and I've got to check this. There's just not the time. And then we have these phones with us 24-7. We expect people to pick up all the time, and I'm supposed to be able to get a reply. We've just overloaded managers to the point where they just run out of time. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't that be a great experience for an assistant Mm -hmm. to watch and follow um, a leader in all those tasks? What, What a great experience for someone. NCR used to have a position called an executive assistant, an EA. Mm hmm. And people would think, oh, well, that's a secretarial job. No, you are working with a senior leader of a Fortune 500 company, and you were learning just by observing everything that they did, the decisions that they had to make, Mm -hmm. the problems that they had, and what were those challenges, and how did they solve those? How did they get people to do things that people really didn't want to do? When they left that role, it was like a PhD in leadership. Mm -hmm. So... I'm I'm thinking back to our millennials and how we are in the workplace. Mm-hmm. How have we impacted the workforce today? Because I know I'm not a secretary is so important, an executive assistant is so mm-hmm. important. But I I don't think I would have applied for a job like that right out of college. I think I would have I would probably want a title. You know, everyone kind of wants that title and a promotion down the road. I hear that all the time from clients that they talk about. They just want to move up so fast and they want to be a title and they want to be CEO tomorrow. (laughs) And I laugh and I remind them, well, think about school up to the point that they graduated. Mm -hmm. Every year you moved up a level. You know, you started as a freshman and boy, you didn't want to be a freshman. You wanted to be a sophomore and then you wanted to be a junior and then you were a senior. (laughs) And so every year they've gotten promoted and I'm putting that in air quotes. Mm -hmm. And so they expect every year, title is very important. I want to be ahead of the next person who was hired. Mm -hmm. So that is really one of the things that you look at. But it isn't so much about title as it is you want to be able to do more. You want to learn more. You want to grow more. Exactly. That's not an age thing of millennials. Everyone wants that. I think one of the key ways that millennials have impacted organizations is you all want work-life balance. You're willing to work really, really hard, but you understand life is now. Yep. 
So what we're starting to see is older people <laughs> saying, I don't know if I want to be here till seven or eight o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is learn how to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Now, companies are going, well, hold it. We, we want them to do more, do more, do more. And I said, no, you want them to do the right things as efficiently as possible. Then they go recharge and they come back and do it again. Yep. But it really became putting in the hours versus getting results. Well, I think work-life balance has always been important, but now more than ever, people are like, life is short. We have 24-7 access on our phones. We can answer emails laying in bed. But really, you have to do your work, be efficient from 8 to Mm 5, and then you can leave at 5, and you can have your life. Well, and senior people forget that once upon a time, they had young children. They were taking children to activities. Mm -hmm. There's so many more activities today, but they've moved beyond that. It's the grandkids every once in a while. Now you have younger people who are really trying to balance so much of life. They Mm -hmm. want to do a great job at work, but they also really feel that this is the time their kids are young. And so they want to figure out how do they get to spend time with them also. Well, I think one of the things, too, that organizations face is this kind of succession planning. Exactly. So I have this workforce that potentially could be leaders. Mm -hmm. And then I have a workforce that's largely maybe individual contributors. Mm -hmm. And we've got this gigantic, like, gap. And so what advice do you give organizations about that succession gap? I ask them to look at two different things. One is when you look at who are your best people and understand you have to have a backup for them. Because they'll say, oh, Kenzie is really fantastic. And I said, well, is Kenzie immortal? <laughs> and they'll go, no. And I said, I well, think she is. well, she's <laughs> Thanks, fabulous, <Scott. laughs> but she's not necessarily immortal. Mm-hmm. They could be out for any given reason. Just a couple of years ago, I had five senior leaders. Many of them were presidents of their organizations that had heart attacks. Thank goodness none of them died, but they were out anywhere from four weeks to six months. Where is their backup to hold the company together for them to return? So that's one of the first things is, is the organization prepared if somebody has to step out? They also might step out because they could get poached using, Scott, your term that you used earlier. But really looking and saying organizations are intended to grow. They must grow or they're going to die. So you have to say, if it takes me now, where's the next me to be able to handle the growth that we're going to have? Yeah, one of the things that I've told, um, especially younger people, is they ask, like, like how do I grow here? And how do mm-hmm. I get a... And, and I love this, and it's, it's slightly risky, mm-hmm. but it's lead until someone tells you not to. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like, I can't hand you that. Like, you've got to earn that, go lean into it, and go lead. Because for the most part, a lot of people, like, will will not stop somebody that wants to lead. Mm -hmm. Now, if they've come up in an organization like yours where there was onboarding, where there was training, Mm -hmm. you feel a little bit safer that they're not going to kind of (laughs) go off the rails and wreck the entire, you know, the whole entire car. (laughs) But um, it's interesting because last year was the year of initiative. That was kind of every client I went to was was saying the same thing that you did, which is we have these employees that just they go after and I don't have to tell them what to do. They automatically do that next step. And I said, well, yes, they have high initiative. Mm -hmm. What we know from studies is half of the U.S. working population scores below average on initiative. Everybody Mm -hmm. can't be above average. Mm -hmm. Some people are below average. They're fantastic if they have clear goals. Oh, yeah. But how many organizations don't really communicate clearly, this is our goal, and here's the limits of what you can do. 
So without goals, they're waiting to be told what's the next thing. I did what you told me, Scott. Oh, now you want me to do that? Absolutely, I'll go and do that. Mm -hmm. But what we're looking for are those people who are proactive. Mm -hmm. The only way I can be proactive is if I know where we're going. If I have a roadmap, I know the limits, I know what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. And within that circle, I can be high initiative. So for a company that is facing the succession gap, Mm -hmm. what kind of steps need to be taken to close the gap to make this better? (laughs) Number one is identify potential as early as possible. Mm -hmm. And this particularly impacts women because women are coming out and they tend to go into functional areas, HR, marketing, etc. What we know is senior leaders come from three primary areas. Operations is number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is finance. Number three is sales. They need to get into those types of of job roles as early as possible. Say say that again. Operations, Uh understanding how the business runs. Mm -hmm. Finance, understand how the business makes money. And sales, understanding the customer. That's where your CEOs come from because they have the most global view of how the organization actually works. The functional areas are very, very important, but to be perfectly honest, you could outsource that. But you can't outsource your customers. You really aren't going to outsource your money. Mm-hmm. And the operations is why you exist. So finding talent early and getting them um, acquainted with, with experience in, and then determining where they can best contribute to the organization in one of those areas is critical. Mm-hmm giving them training, giving them the opportunity to understand the difference between an individual contributor and supervising other people. Because we only promote people who are really excellent, and then we give them people who aren't as excellent to report to them. So supervisor training, I'm doing a lot of supervisor training right now, and they are hungry to learn how to be better at that. It's an extremely stressful role. And then the next level, moving them on up to management. Mm -hmm. Then leadership, that's the goals. Where are we going as a company? And leadership is scary because, Scott, you know, there's not a book that has all the right answers. <laughs> there isn't. You know, one of the things that a lot of organizations ask is um, with, with this generation, mm-hmm. um, they move around a lot. So um, wh- why do I want to spend a lot of money and resources on... Investing in somebody. Yeah. This, if they're going to leave. This workforce that... You know, I've been here 30 years. Mm-hmm. I've had, I've had, you know, I worked at Cassano's Pizza. Mm-hmm. And I had a little, I had a job in New York, and then I came to McGowan Braybender, and I worked at a golf course. Mm-hmm. So what? So help organizations maybe understand why, like, I, why do I want to do that? Well, millennials, you have to remember, have traveled more than any other generation. They've traveled globally. They've traveled around the United States. Um, travel is much less expensive than it used to be. Oh yeah. So I hear all the time of people going to places I would never have dreamed of going until I was retired. Mm-hmm. So they, they feel comfortable moving around. The other problem is organizations do a terrible job of talking about why you should live here. I mean, you just spoke, Scott, mm-hmm. about living in Dayton for a long time. I've been in Dayton now for a long time. It's a great place to live. I love Dayton. You know, the cost of living <laughs> is We're inexpensive. Building a house. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's great <laughs> education here. We have wonderful metro parks. It's, a, it's close to Cincinnati, it's close to Columbus, but, you know, our commutes are 11 minutes in most instances. We're not telling people, you know what, it's pretty nice here. Mm-hmm. Why don't we stay here? We have a better opportunity of starting a company. 
we don't tell people that. We just let them go and then say, gosh, Dayton's a terrible place to live. <laughs> it's a great place. It's to a live. wonderful place to live. <laughs> it's a best kept secret. Let's not have everybody yeah. move here. We're a hidden gem. I, I just think I, I love Dayton. I grew up an hour away. Mm-hmm. I went to University of Dayton. I stayed. Mm-hmm. I found this job, and I, I feel like this is where I was meant to be. And I've had three jobs previous to this as an adult. Mm-hmm. And, and I, the training, the investment you guys have put into me, I feel like this is my spot, you know? So I feel as a millennial, I might be a rare case, but I'm not going anywhere. And you're not that rare. What, <laughs> what people don't understand is, is that by human nature, we want to be part of a tribe, right? So everyone, I don't care what your age is, you're looking for a place to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Families have scattered a little bit now, but millennials don't want to job hop. Mm-hmm. They want to go someplace and they want to stay. They want to contribute. They want to help their friends, their coworkers be better. Mm-hmm. And so companies really spent the time um, onboarding them correctly, educating them, inspiring with them with this is what we do to help people. Mm-hmm. Maybe stop calling them customers. This is what we do to help people. Mm-hmm. Millennials and older workers would stay. So how is millennial management different than the other generations? They're a little bit more impatient. They have not had the age to look at something and say, yep, that's happened before. No one's going to die. People make mistakes. Again, we're promoting the best of the best people and asking them to manage people who can't do what they do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I say, should you really be promoted or should you just be a fabulous individual contributor? Mm -hmm. The millennials... um, want communication constantly. They are, again, impatient. I can attest to that, yes. Impatient. They get frustrated by, um, why can't we go ahead and do this now? And they don't tend to plan ahead as much as older generations do. And I think that's simply because they haven't been taught to plan. That's interesting. So, like, to end on a a, a high note Mm -hmm. uh, would be the fact that like millennial, they're changing the workplace. There's no question about it. So what advice or some good things that we can look forward to? Oh, it is a huge generation that is the best educated generation in the history of mankind. They really do, as Kenzie said earlier, want to solve problems. Truth of the matter is every generation wanted to solve problems. If you think about the pollution in the 70s mm-hmm. with the crying Indian, we really did a lot to clean up our highways and things. The millennials love to come up with solutions and they truly believe that anything is possible. If we let them loose, they will take over things. Think about some of the things that have just happened in the last 10 years. SpaceX, Mm -hmm. the ability to send a rocket up and then have it come back down and land on a platform. I can promise you millennials were involved in that. (laughs) Yeah, I think what's, you know, really interesting what I heard is, you know, for, so if you don't like change, you're gonna re- you're gonna like irrelevance even 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 more. Absolutely. So I think what's interesting too is just embrace it. Just lean into it. If if everybody stops and says our purpose here is to help others, our purpose is to help them either through charitable, through a business. Every business exists to help solve a problem for someone. If that's what we got up every morning and said was. I'm coming in and I'm helping change the world and make it better. Mm -hmm. That's what millennials are looking for. And to tell you the truth, isn't it what we're all looking for? 
someone to tell us and remind us of that every single day. And we're having a bad day. Hey, what you do matters and makes a difference and helps other people. Mm-hmm. If We need to tell everyone that, not just millennials. Well, I would like to give some kudos to Scott, too. He, you tell people every day, thank you for being here. Thank you for making a difference. And even though that sentence can change the outlook of that person's day. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to send an extra email. I'm going to, you know, and I so appreciate everything that you do to make sure we know that you you want us here and we make a difference here. And I feel going Brave Under does a good job of. <laughs> and and well, Scott's over there blushing. Well, <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, y- uh, it, but you've made a big difference in this organization already. And you've just, just been here a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And we're really blessed by that. Um, words matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. but eye contact matters. But too yeah. many generations and too many managers and too many leaders at the end of the day become frustrated and say, you know what, I paid them. And praise is the most powerful motivator for people. For you to say, you know, you did well, they are automatically going to want to do more and they're going to get want to get more of that praise. If everyone went around every day praising every behavior they want to see repeated, mm-hmm. and anyone listening to this podcast who's ever gone to a training for me is <laughs> nodding their head going, yes, Christy, I know you say that all the time. <laughs> we'd have a much better workplace and we'd have much more energized employees. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for being here. Mm-hmm. And praise is free. So if you're listening... Ah, uh, praise is earned, though, yeah, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the things that we want to do is ask the audience, if you have any ideas on future topics to talk about on side effects, uh, you can email myself at scott at healthierbirthdays.com or... Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com. Or you can find Christy Dinsmore, too, on LinkedIn. Yes, absolutely. And reach out to her because she's amazing. So mm-hmm. we can't thank you enough for being here. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for inviting me. And I love working with McGowan Breadbender. Wonderful. Have a great rest of the day. Take care.